over the past week as I've been wrestling with COVID and symptoms and such, um, I hear this verse from Luke chapter 3 in our lectionary where it says that people were filled with expectation. And I just keep finding myself expecting, hoping that um, one, for that day where I will be healed, where I will be able to get up and go and do like I have been in the past. I know it's coming, but, you know, wondering when. And, and, it, and when you're sick, sometimes you start to feel a little bit better. And you go, is this the day? Is this the day that I'm that I'm going to be able to get up and go? And then the ne- and then the next minute, hour, day, you realize, no, nope, that wasn't it. And that's where the people from our text kind of find themselves in this expectation. In Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 15, we're going to read Luke 3, 15 through 17, and then we're going to jump over to 21 and 22. But it says, as the people were filled with expectation... And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water. One who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into into his granary. But the chaff... He will burn with unquenchable fire. And in verse 21 it says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and was praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the people have been waiting, um, and they find themselves kind of expecting, hoping. They know it's coming. They know the Messiah is coming. They've heard of the prophecies and all of this, and they're waiting and expecting something. And John shows up, and they go, is, is this it? Is, is he the one? Is he the one that we've been hearing about? And John is not the Messiah. And as we hear John talk about it, um, depending upon your translation, John points out that he's not Jesus, that he's not the Messiah. He says, the one that will come will baptize with spirit and fire while I'm baptizing with water. And, And depending on your translation, it may say wind and fire, but wind and fire were symbols of the Holy Spirit. The powerful presence of God but they were also symbols of, of, of judgment in that day. Um, in a highly agricultural society, farmers would, would pour their wheat from one container to another on a windy day so that the, the chaff would be blown out. The wheat was heavy enough that it would fall from one to another, but the wind would remove the chaff. Or, or they tossed their wheat into the air. This is where we hear about that fork. The, um... In our text, that winnowing fork, is they would throw it in the air and the chaff would be blown away. It would be removed because the wind is kind of that judgment presence. Leaving the grain clean, the chaff um, burned with explosive combustion. Um, and to this day, even farmers know that a fire is in a dry wheat field cannot be contained or controlled. Uh, and so this is this idea that, that wind and 
fire in that, in that day and in that time were marks of judgment as well as the Holy Spirit. Uh, when repentance and forgiveness are available, though, judgment is, is good news. We hear this idea of judgment and automatically think negative. Um, but as we hear even in this agricultural term of it removing the chaff, removing the stuff, the, the, the unneeded, um, it is the idea of it can, when we have the ability to be forgiven and to repent and to turn away from, judgment is good news. Um, as Fred Craddock says, the primary aim is to save the wheat and not to burn the chaff. The primary aim of judgment is to save us, is to, is to heal us, is to return us to who and what we are being called and created to be. To, to return us to our authentic selves that God had intended for us from the beginning. And many times we hear this text, and it's the text often used to point towards the end times where, where Jesus is going to send you to, to hell and your judgment because of this idea of fire. But it's, it's not about necessarily separating the saved and the unsaved, um, but it's about separating within us our chaff and our wheat. Those things that need to be burned away, those things that we need the Spirit to come and remove from us, those things that are kind of cluttering up and, and, and taking up space within our hearts and our minds and our lives. Those, those, those false things within us that are not who we're called and created to be, those things that we fill ourselves with instead of love and grace and mercy and hope and forgiveness, instead of the fruits of the Spirit, instead of the ways in which God is calling us to do, the way, those things that when we find ourselves pursuing self, those are the things that be, need to be removed. So that our wheat, the wheat of our lives, may remain. What, what we are called, the, the, the true fruit, the, as, as we hear throughout the scriptures, that um, a, a vine can only bear the fruit that it is intended to bear. And we are intended to bear good fruit. So we need the Holy Spirit to come and to, to judge our fruit and to remove those things, those vines, those, those things that are choking out the, the, the good fruit-bearing ways of our lives and to, and to provide us with the strength and the courage to wisdom to be who God is calling us to be that we may bear good fruit. This text is preached in this kind of eschatological way, which is to say that Jesus is coming to separate the stalk from the grain in final judgment. However, what if this text isn't solely about our, our future, but might be speaking to us now? So often we hear texts and we, and we address them as what it means about our past or about our future, but what is this text saying to us today when we hear it now what hard work is it pointing out to you that needs to be done with the help of the spirit to purify <coughs> I'm sorry ourselves and remove the grain from the stalk what are those parts of our lives that, that need threshing and winnowing that the spirit can come remove those things that are not of God how, how might the wind help us to clear the stalks and unnecessary parts of our lives of faith? Because well, that's, where, well, that's what this text is calling us to. It is a time of, of, of realization of who we are. And not just who we are, but are we in line with who we are created to be and called to be? 
and it's a it's a shift that we are called to be to be pursuing that says what oh god is not of you what oh god is not where it needs to be in my life this is a beautiful uh, text for a beginning of a year when we're looking at those things that like we talked about last week of rev- of resolutions and such. God, what are those things in my life that I need to remove? Because they have just become chaff that is taking up space. I love the text, though, that it continues, and it goes on to, to Jesus' baptism. Um, and, and, and Luke does a little bit of a different way of the baptism, and, and that it, has him after the baptism praying and then the Holy Spirit comes down in bodily form like a dove and and the voice of heaven says you're my son whom I dearly love in you I am happiness in you I find happiness rather and this this just reminds us of this beauty of baptism that it is um, a naming and identifying someone as the beloved that when we come to baptism we are being proclaimed that we are God's beloved it, it, it reminds us and we, and we discover who we are in relation to whose we are that, that we, we discover that God loves us we are God's beloved children we belong to the God's family and, and baptism is this tangible sign that names to us this truth that has always been that God is saying, you are my beloved. You are my child. And, and it reminds us that baptism is primarily God's work. It is God's work that we ha- may have the confidence that no matter how often we fall short or fail, um, that nothing we do or fail to do can remove us from that identity that God has given us. Our relationship with God is that we are God's children. We are God's beloved. And this is one. This is the one relationship in life that we can't screw up. Because we didn't establish it. We didn't create it. <coughs> we are God's children. We are beloved. We have not, but we have not always been acting like it. We, we have not always taken on our namesake. We have, we have filled our lives with, with the chaff of this world. And, and, and so often when we hear that, we go, yeah, the world is, is acting in a manner of, of, of hate and, and of division and of everybody. They need to fix that. But let's start this year by addressing our own hearts and minds and our own lives. Addressing the chaff in our lives that the Spirit needs to come and remove. What are those hates in your life? What are those prejudices in your life? What are those um, prideful places in your life? What are those addictions? What are those shames? What are those things that have filled places in your heart in ways in which they shouldn't? What are those things that are getting in the way of your relationship with God? What is the chaff in your life? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's ego. Maybe it's a little bit of shame and guilt, and so you find yourself listening to the world instead of believing that you are the beloved. You find... Your, your worth and what the world proclaims you, for you. <coughs> Maybe it's just this belief and I'm always right. Whatever it is, we need to take a moment this, 
year, here now. We need to recenter, refocus, recalibrate, rededicate our lives to what matters. And that is to being who God called us to be, the beloved, the, the child of God that we are created to be. For, for God longs to look upon us as he did upon Jesus and say, you are my child. I love you. And you I am well pleased. And with that in mind, I, I kind of want to close with what is known as the covenant prayer in the Wesleyan tradition. If, if you're looking at a hymnal, it's in number, page number 607. But it's a beautiful prayer. I just want to close with this being our prayer for the upcoming year and for our very lives. It says this, it says, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt, rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee, let me be set aside for thee, exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. In the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Amen.